All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from a cave in Judea. Uh, right now, I am with Rabbi Mike Foyer. This is Spiritual Cafe, and we are in a very spiritual place. Uh, we are close to Ari's, Ari and Jeremy's uh, farm, quote-unquote, out here in Ibea Nachal, on the edge of the Judean desert as it starts to turn towards uh, the Dead Sea area. And we're in a cave that purportedly is uh, one of the hiding places of Bar Kokhba and his men in the uh, revolt, the Bar Kokhba revolt, the second great revolt uh, against the Romans, which I always like to, to say to people, Rabbi Mike, uh, you know, it's crazy enough to revolt one time against the Romans and then lose very badly. It's another crazy thing to start yet another revolt 60 years later and start up with them again. According to some reports, Bar Kokhba did recapture Jerusalem and started offering up the, uh, the service for three years. There's some machloket on that. But in any case, I want to tell you that I did not expect this. It is so fantastic to be with you here in this cave on the Passover holiday, Passover holiday. So I'm going to call you out, actually. Not one revolt, not two revolts, what kind of people would be crazy enough to revolt against the Roman Empire that was really, according to some opinions, the heart of the Pax Romana, the peace of the Mediterranean, three times? Because there was the Great Revolt, you're talking about Horban Bay, the destruction of the Second Temple. There's the Bakoch Revolt in the year 135, when it really kind of explodes, and I say, without a shadow of a doubt, was resident in this cave. And there's also the Quitos War. You ever heard of that? You mentioned it to me once. It's right in between year 115 to 117. We won't get into details, but it was the bloody slaughter diaspora revolt. It actually didn't happen so much here because the Romans had such a tight fist, plus Parthian wars to the east. They were legions camped out everywhere. But North Africa, Cyprus, crazy. They, the, the contemporary historians say hundreds of thousands dead. Well, how were the Jews involved in it? The Jews were revolting against the idolaters. You know, that's us Jews, really. We, we, just, we just stand up to idolaters, to bad guys, to oppressors. And it's so strange to me all the time now that the liberal language that you hear from American Jews, and I've been dealing a lot, I don't know if you caught my debate in Beverly Hills and all that, is like land is not important. War is, you know, totally kind of uh, evil. evil. There's, no, there's no place for it. It's always about peace and stuff. And I'm just like... Where is like being a Jew and pushing back on bad guys and bullies and idolaters, bre- breaking the, the, uh, the idols of, of Abraham? Both this and that. The problem is, is that we don't live in the Messianic, Messianic era. We what? We don't live in the Messianic era. So it's true what the Jews of America are saying. Without a shadow of a doubt, war is evil. On some level, land doesn't matter because God is everywhere. Right? Humanity is one species. That's not a question. The problem is, how do we actually get to a place where we can build a society that reflects that safely for everyone? And there's not evil embodied in strange ways. Once upon a time it was idolatry. Now it's just the death cult. You know? so, so what you're saying is, is that it, they're like preempting a little bit of messianic concept. That's what they said also about the communists, that they sense that they were messianic. But, but let's say you start giving a baby, uh, you know, full, full, fully cooked steak, you're going to choke that baby, okay? Meaning to, say, meaning to say things have to come in their proper time. We're not at that time yet. There's still a war out there. Israel's still fighting for its existence. Israel's still a tiny minority in a very, very problematic jihadist region. And so to, to kind of to jump to that place is living utop- in a utopian fashion. It actually, it actually is not utopian. You end up endangering your people. You end up actually bringing tremendous danger because you don't recognize the war that does exist. And yet sitting in Bar Kokhba's caves, we have to give credit to the other side of the extremist equation, right? Because sometimes going for broke and deciding that you're going to fight full force and liberate yourself and shake off the strongest power in the world and ignore 
the norms of society leads to total disaster. Well, so so question mark for you, Rabbi Akiva, who bet on Bar Kochba. Uh, in this cave. He, right, and Bar, uh, Rabbi Akiva could have been slept, sleeping in this cave, but Rabbi Akiva was considered one of our greatest rabbis, and he made a tremendous mistake, ostensibly. Ah, Khalilotah. Well, I'm, that's exactly my question. You said that going for broke is sometimes a problem, yet nobody ever says, Akiva, the guy who screwed up. Not every wrong decision is a mistake. If a wrong decision is made in a sense of, of kana'ut, of zealotry for, for truth and an internal sense of rightness, it can definitely lead to disaster, but it doesn't make it a mistake. If something is a true articulation of the essential value of who we are, Excuse me. And we hope, as Am Yisrael, we're a true articulation of the central value of God's voice alive in the world, not just once upon a time in Sinai, but coming up through these stones right now. So then you have to go when the voice says go. And Rabbi Akiva was the counterpoint to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. I won't tell the story now, but you recall he was smuggled out of Rome and actually made peace as the city burned. He got his three wishes. Out of the old city. Out of the old city and got his three wishes, the sages of Yavna, for those of you who know the story, Hamevin Yavin. But all the Judaism we know came from that. But he did it by saying, I'll save a little bit. And so it's easy to make the mistake if you live in Galut of thinking that Rabbi Yochlan's notion, which is the notion of Galut, is that we're just going to save a little bit. Which is, that's all we need is just a little bit. Rabbi Kiva teaches you he saved a little bit because we're playing for the whole game. So sometimes you save a little bit. But if you're playing for the whole game, when you have the moment, you go for broke. Right. That's the, that's the question. Do you have the moment? Let me get a little, tell you a little story that happened to me today. I've had some interesting stories over this Pesach holiday, and we are Pesach 2017, 57, 77. Okay. 5777. 5777, the, the 777, one of the best brandies in Israel. Anyway, um, an interesting thing happened to me. I bumped into uh, a listener, a friend, somebody who's been following uh, you know, my work, and and um, he loves Hebron, he's wearing trelet, and he lives in Brooklyn. He says to me, but I'm afraid to make Aliyah because I'm afraid of the Parnassa, the uh, welfare, Pretty making cool. a living problem, and I'm afraid of the language barrier. And I said to him, I said to him, very real fears. Very real fears, but I said to him, on the other hand, if you can't make Aliyah, if this land cannot give you a job and cannot give you uh, a way to get through the language barrier, we should pack up the whole thing and forget it. it. If, you can't, if you can't do it. Yeah. And then I looked, I said, look around. Everybody here has made it somehow. Everybody here has a job. Everybody here speaks the language. You can do it as well. It's, it's, it's already within your DNA. And, and I gave him permission to have courage. And yeah, where we're standing, it deserves credit where credit is due. You know, Ari and Jeremy are taking a leap here, which is astounding to me. And I see in this cave and everything else I've seen today, just first my time out here, a true answer from God. It's like, oh, if there were ever two people that are just going to go for it. These guys are going for it. And the world, the Rebbe Nasha'olam, the master of the world is responding bigadol. Yeah. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. And it's great to be a part of it. And we're here in a cave uh, next to Iban Nachal, next to Ari and Jeremy's farm here, the Land of Israel uh, Network Farm. Uh, and it is a beautiful place indeed. Uh, Passover um, has been awesome already so far. A holiday of the matzahs, holiday of, of, of the exodus from Egypt. A holiday of two freedoms, the freedom from slavery and also the freedom from idolatry. I want to tell you yet another story. My, my son is on my backpack here. He wants to walk. You, we're going to get to mommy in a minute, Israel David. Just one more second. I'm going to finish up with Rabbi Mike Foyer here. Uh, Rabbi Mike, speaking of my son, my other son, Elazar Menachem, had an accident. Uh, he was uh, playing with a soccer goal, you know, one of these moving little uh, goalposts, mm-hmm. and he was swinging on it, and it basically fell back on him, smashed him on the bridge of the nose. When he came up, it looked like his nose was pretty flattened here, 
and uh, and and immediately we realized uh, uh, it, it looked like he, uh, to me it was almost a certainty that he's broke his nose. I spent the next uh, many hours taking him to an emergency room Rock called Terem. Right, and it was like one of these Motzei Chag Cholamoeds, like everybody's at Terem at the first aid place. And also, I have to tell you that my personal reaction was I almost fainted. Yeah. And that's very rare for me. Uh, you know, I consider myself a semi-tough guy. Uh, but like wounded at that moment. Wounded combat soldier. Yeah, wounded combat soldier <laughs> and all that. But when I saw my son with what looked to me like something that may need plastic surgery and who knows what brain injury or whatever, I really, it really like it took, it, it drained my blood on my face and all that. And I remembered a Dvar Torah that, that was very, always very dear to me, which is about Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu. God says to him, you know, take the Jews out of Egypt. Go down there. Let my people go. You know, mm -hmm. go down to, to, to Pharaoh's, to, to the Pharaohs and then tell them, let my people go. And uh, as the famous Louis Armstrong song says, uh, and, uh, and he kind of, he, rene he doesn't want to do it. He, he pushes back on God. And uh, finally, God kind of convinces him, says Aaron is going to help you. And he goes, but it says that God's anger flared up. Yet it doesn't show exactly what Where was the outcome. Works. Later on, when he's going down to Egypt, um, uh, what happens is, is that God meets him at the sleeping place and almost kills his son. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always try to tell people, and I could prove it in the verses, is that in a sense, this was a punishment for Moses saying, my children are dying in Egypt under servitude. And you're debating with me whether, you know, to go or not. I told you to go. But the problem with you, Moses, is you don't feel the pain mm -hmm. of my children. You don't mm -hmm. feel the pain. When your son gets hit on the bridge of the nose and it looks so scary, you're like, oh my God. Do we have that same concern for uh, the injury of our children, of our people, of our soldiers? Do we have that same yearning to make sure that every Jew will be safe and that this continued effort to, to have an exodus, to be freed from terror and to be freed from evil uh, is part of our life? Or are we kind of like, no big deal about it? This is the essence, I think, of why when Avram asks God, how am I going to know that my children will inherit the land? God says what? You're going to know. And how? By the Inui of Egypt. By the suffering of Egypt. Like, what kind of answer is that? Yeah, thanks a lot. Like, yeah, it's like, I want to know. And what you're saying is that until you actually strip down to the core of who you are and what you want in the world, and that happens through suffering, and you can actually feel, therefore, the pain of everything which is real to you, you're not free. And therefore, you won't be able to root yourself in any land. And your children won't inherit it. Because when you inherit something, you don't get it from outside. It is inherent. You grow into a larger Self, that's what inheritance is. It was a potential scale of your existence waiting for you. And so in order to do that, it has to happen through that stripping process to touch the core. That's what Pesach is. Right. Matzah is bread and water. It's lechem oni, right? It's not just the bread that we answer on, but it's just that bread of affliction. So it makes perfect sense to me what you're saying. Yeah, and that reminds me that, that for Yom Kippur, a person's not supposed to be the, the leader of the prayer, the chazan, unless he himself is a, is a married and a father. You got to have something. You got to feel it. You got to feel, feel it. it. You got to feel it. You got to feel it. And that's the same thing about, about the story of Israel. Tom, our time is up, sadly, uh, in the sense that only, not sadly, in a, in, a, in a cosmic sense, because cosmically I'm very happy and very thankful to have this moment with you here in this, in this amazing Your cave. Yeah, it's, we don't get to see each other places like this often enough. Right. We're, we're a lot of times in the Beit Midrash, but sometimes the Beit it's Midrash. Not bad. It's not bad. This is also a Beit Midrash. Mamish. This is, this is where life gets learned. 
And, and indeed, maybe if Bar Kochba and Rabbi Akiva were here, I'm sure that an incredible Torah was also taught here. And who knows? You know, David and Melech was chased by Shaul all over these wadis. Who knows but that one night, the Holy King himself didn't sleep there. Amazing stuff. Um, uh, Rabbi Mike Foyer, happy Passover, happy Pesach. And, that's right. And you know what else? Uh, and happy splitting of the Red Sea. That's the next part of our holiday. We should sing like the angels. <laughs> and, and again, to really believe, by the way, just a little uh, interesting parable I've come up with. When we came out of Egypt, we were one nation and the sea was on both sides of us, keeping us in one nation. Today, we are one nation, but we're split. We are we're on, on the two sides, sides the and the middle is the sea. So and that's split that sea and come back together, people. That's it, exactly. Split the sea and come back together. Rabbi Mike Foyer, uh, Spiritual Cafe. Happy Pesach. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, and God bless you folks wherever you are. Love to hear from you. Write me an email, yishai at thelandofisrael.com. Chag kasher v'sameach. God bless you. And, and this holiday is the beginning of the holiday season. Uh, we have the uh, Yom Atzma'ut, Yom Yerushalayim, uh, Lag Ba'omer, then Shavuot, and then Pesach. This is the beginning. We are reborn. Onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. All right, folks. More great stuff is on the way. Stay tuned. God bless you. Be strong. Be part of the story wherever you are. And Shalom.